Welcome to Jury Duty. I'm your host, Chris Terracone. Season 8 of Jury Duty explores the trial of Alex Murdoch, a member of one of the most powerful families in South Carolina who was accused of murdering his son, Paul, and his wife, Maggie, with the purpose of covering up a myriad of alleged crimes including fraud and homicide. Before we start this episode, a quick word about another Crime Story Media production. October 2014. Was David Martinez responsible for killing Pomona SWAT officer Sean Diamond? That's at the heart of Night Raid, a new podcast from Crime Story Media. Subscribe or follow wherever you get this podcast. On our last episode, we looked at the testimony of Corporal Chad McDowell, a canine handler for the Colleton County Sheriff who was also an early responder to the location of the Murdoch murders. On this installment, we review the testimonies of several other members of the Colleton County Sheriff's Department who helped manage the response to the Murdoch property, including the fire and rescue responder who first examined the bodies of the victims. That's all coming up right after the break. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. It is January 26, 2023, the second day of the Alex Murdoch murder trial. For the first time, South Carolina Assistant Attorney General Savannah Goud handles the questioning for the prosecution. Goud calls Tanish Bryson Smith to the stand. Miss Bryson Smith is a black woman with braided hair pulled tightly back on her head. She wears a beige outfit. The prosecutor begins her questioning by asking the witness about her professional responsibilities. Could you tell the jury where you work? Hampton County E911. And how long have you worked for um, Hampton County E911? 17 years. And what is E911? Emergency Services Dispatch Center. And what do you do there? Currently, I am in a director position, just instated in December. I am over the management of day-to-day operations of the 911 Dispatch Center for Hampton County, including um, budgeting, payroll, like I said, day-to-day operations, record keeping, recordings, etc. Does the um, Hampton County 911 keep records um, in the normal course of business? We do. What kind of recordings are these? Um, we have audio recordings from 911 phone calls, administrative line phone calls, as well as radio recordings from our radios from the field. Are all 911 calls recorded? They are. And how are these calls stored? They're stored on our NextLog data recording systems. How long are they stored for? As long as we need them. And who has access to those records? I do. Um, does anybody else? No, ma'am. Just you? Yes, ma'am. And how do you access the records? Um, There is a database in my office that I have to log into to access any recordings that is requested. Sometimes do calls from um, another county, such as Colleton County, come into Hampton County? They do. Why does that happen? Cell phones pick up on the nearest PSAP based upon the location of that cell phone at the time of call. 
peace out meaning public safety answering system. And why does it pick up on that on the location and send it to Hampton as opposed to Colleton? Due to the geographical location of a phone call or a phone when that call is made, that cell phone picks up at that tower and the tower wherever the nearest PSAP is. Mm -hmm. is where that cell phone will be routed to. And what do you do when you and Hampton County receive a call from that's supposed to be going to Collin County? We transfer that call out to Collin County. Back on June 7th of 2021, did you receive a call from Alec Murdoch? We did. And that call came into Hampton County, is that correct? That's correct. What happened to that call when it came in? Once it was determined that the call was located, the location of the emergency was Collin County, we transferred that call out to Collin County. And you determined the Colleton County location how? Based upon the numerics and the address that was given. Once we plug that information into our system, it populates in Colleton County. Let the record reflect. I'm showing the witness takes what's marked is states exhibit nine. It's exhibit nine is admitted without objection. States Exhibit 9 is a disc. Can you tell us what is on that disc? The initial 911 call that came in on the night in question. And how do you know that call is on that disc? I was able to listen to it and I dated it and initialed on the 23rd of January. Prosecutor Gowd next plays for the jury the part of Alex Murdoch's 911 call recorded by the Hampton County system on June 7th, 2021. <laughs> Prosecutor Gowd indicates that she has no further questions for the witness. Judge Clifton Newman invites the defense to question Miss Bryson Smith. The state has no further questions for this witness. Cross-examination. Just a couple questions, Your Honor. So, explain to me how this works. A call came into you in what county? Hampton County. When you dial 911, how does it determine what county to send it to? When you dial 911, the cell phone company picks up that it's a 911 call being placed. They hit the dearest cell phone tower, and based upon the location of that cell phone tower, is routed to the dearest PSAP, or public safety answering system. Okay, so the nearest cell phone tower to Moselle was be... Walterboro Highway Tower. And you're from Hampton? I am. That's not you on the phone, is it? No, sir. Do you know the Murdoch, or do you know Alec Murdoch? Not too much, yes. I mean, a little bit, but... Oh, thank you. Anything further? You may step down. Thank you. Thank you. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. 
With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com. The state's next witness is Angela Stallings. Miss Stallings is a white woman who wears a dark blazer over a brown v-neck sweater and white blouse. She sports light brown wavy hair pulled up on top and hanging along her blazer lapels. Savannah Goud again handles the questioning. Do you please tell the jury um, where you work? I work at the Culloden County Sheriff's Office. And how long have you worked there? Approximately 15 years with the Sheriff's Office. What are some of your duties and responsibilities at the Sheriff's Office? I am the Administrative Services Captain. I oversee the 911 Center. I'm over our Civil Process Division, Court Security, our School Resource Officers, our Sex Offender Registry Division, training, supply, and the hiring process and records. You have quite a lot of duties there. Yes, ma'am. In the course of your duties, do you keep records of 911 calls? We do. Can you explain to the jury um, what happens when a 911 call comes in to Colleton County? Yes, ma'am. So when a call comes into Colleton County, it hits our recorder system. As soon as the call connects to the recorder and starts ringing, our recorder automatically starts recording automatically. It starts recording before we even answer the phone. And is a recording of all 911 calls that come into um, Colleton County Center kept? Yes, ma'am, they are. And how are those um, records kept? They're kept on our server that is the Carolina recording software system that we use. Who um, has access to those records? Myself and one other employee. Is it normal for y'all to have calls routed from um, Hampton County to Colleton County? Yes, ma'am. Why does that happen? Depending on the location of the call within the county, we border several counties. Depending on if it's a cell phone that is calling 911, Depending on the closest available cell tower, it will hit that tower. Wherever that tower is located, it routes to that PSAP. All right. On um, June 7th of 2021, um, did Colleton County receive a transferred 911 call from Hampton County? Yes, ma'am, we did. And what time did that call come in? That call came in at 220709, which is 10.0709 p.m. And the notes you're referencing up there, is that some kind of report that's generated when the call comes in, or what are you looking at? Yes, ma'am. This is a report that's generated through our recorder software. So you received a call from 10.07 p.m.? Yes, ma'am. Who was that call from? Hampton County. Who was the caller? The caller was Alex Murdoch. Do you recognize State's Exhibit 11? Yes, ma'am, I do. What is it? It is a disc of the 911 call. And how do you know that? It has my initials and date that I reviewed it. 
And this is a true and accurate depiction of the 911 call made by Alec Murdoch. Yes, ma'am, it is. Your Honor, at this time I move State's Exhibit 11 into evidence. Submitted without objection. Prosecutor Gowd plays the portion of Alex Murdoch's 911 call recorded after it was transferred from Hampton County to Colleton County. After the Colleton County dispatcher answers the call, we hear the Hampton County dispatcher recap the situation. Then we hear a distraught Alex Murdoch on the recording. Thank <laughs> you. 
Prosecutor Goud pauses the recording and poses a question to the witness. Captain Collins, there's a break between parts in this call. Why is that? The way our recorder system is set up, if there is a pause with either the call taker or the caller not talking, the recorder automatically cuts off. As soon as it starts to hear someone talking, it automatically kicks back on and starts recording. Goud resumes playing the recording. Captain's callings. The state has no further questions. The defense has no questions for the witness, and Miss Stallings steps down from the stand. Assistant Attorney General Goud next calls Barry McRoy to the stand. McRoy is balding with close-cropped graying black hair. He sports wire-framed glasses and wears a white shirt with a gold fire and rescue badge, patches and collar insignia, and a blue tie. The prosecutor again begins by asking the witness about his profession. Chief McCrory, could you please tell the jurors where you work? Fort Collin County Fire and Rescue. And what is your position? I'm the fire chief. The fire chief of Collin County Fire and Rescue? That's correct. And how long have you worked at Collin County Fire and Rescue? Uh, 29 years. How many scenes do you think you have responded to over the years? I have no idea. Many thousand. <laughs> As, um, what are some of the training that you need to do to be a paramedic or uh, respond with fire and rescue? Well, that has changed greatly over the years, but presently, uh, to be a paramedic, you have to have been an EMT for, we recommend, two years, which that's about a 500-hour course, and then you take a uh, paramedic course, which is about 1,500 hours. In Colleton County, we require people to be cross-trained, so they have a 500-hour firefighter course as well. And are you yourself a paramedic? I am. And how long have you been a paramedic? Since 1981. What are the would be the normal um, procedures when responding to treat gunshot wounds or to a shooting? Well, when initially respond, the uh, 
law enforcement that's responsible for that jurisdiction typically clears the scene to make sure that it's safe for the other responders. Uh, when we arrive, we want to evaluate the patients to make sure that you know, if they've got some injuries that we can treat, we treat them and uh, we transport them to the closest trauma center. So if someone has been shot, what would you normally do to initially treat that person? Well, we would control their bleeding, protect their airway, get them transported as quickly as possible. It may involve starting IVs. In Calvin County, we carry blood so we could administer blood to the patient if they required it. Did you respond to um, Moselle Road on June 7th of 2021? I did. And um, tell us about what you did when you got there. Uh, I was on my way home from work and uh, I heard the Sheriff's Department on their radio dispatch units to the uh, address in question and they advised that there was two people shot. Shortly thereafter, they dispatched fire rescue units and we have a standard protocol of what they send. There were multiple patients, so they dispatched two ambulances and put a helicopter on standby, and then a supervisor is also dispatched. Uh, we also send the closest fire station, which in that case was the one from Highlandton. I responded from Walterboro, and um, I did arrive uh, ahead of everybody else. Uh, dispatch had told us not to go onto the scene, so I staged about the 3900 block, and a few minutes later, a deputy passed me, and I went in behind the deputy, which was Mr. Green that y'all listened to earlier. And what did you see when you were driving onto the scene? Uh, it was really dark. The um, had a long dirt driveway, and uh, when we arrived, there was uh, some kennels off to the left and like a big barn with a three-lane lean-to on the uh, right-hand side. I just ask you to take a look at these pictures and tell me, are you familiar with, with those pictures? Uh, yes, ma'am. This does appear to be the accident scene. And these are um, true and accurate depictions of the um, crime scene that night? Yes, ma'am. Prosecutor Goud enters the crime scene photos into evidence. So, Chief McCoy, could you tell us how you observed the victims when you got to the scene? Uh, Deputy Green went through the scene first. Uh, he actually drove a little ways in between the uh, kennels and the lean-to. It was very dark, so he needed his headlights to see what was going on there. There was uh, animals in the kennels. I don't know how many, but uh, there was also some chickens fluttering around on the uh, equipment on the right-hand side. The body of a younger male subject was face down by the kennels. Uh, he had some very severe injuries to the head. There was a female subject at the end of the lean-to. Uh, she was also face down with severe injuries to her head. And there was a gentleman standing off a little distance away from it. He was on a cell phone and seemed very upset. Did you recognize that gentleman? Uh, yes, ma'am. Who was that? Uh, Alex Murdoch. And how did you recognize him? I've met him in the past on a professional basis because we have had to do depositions and such with his law firm. Can you um, describe what the jury is looking at in this picture? On the left-hand side of the uh, photograph is the covered body of Paul Murdoch. And the, uh, down towards the end of the lean-to, is you can see the covered body of uh, Miss Maggie Murdoch. And those bodies appear to be covered with pink sheets? Yes, ma'am. Now, were those sheets there when you got there? No, ma'am. We got those off the ambulance and covered up the bodies. Why did you do that? Well, we typically do it to shield the uh, bodies from the view of the public. There were a lot of people showing up there. The family was on the scene, and people just really don't need to see that. Please describe what the jury's viewing. That is the uh, body of uh, Paul, and he is laying face down at the entrance to it was like a little utility room at the uh, kennels. He is laying down with, you can see there's substantial damage to his head with a lot of blood around his head and what appeared to be his brain down there around his ankles. And this is how um, you found Paul? That is correct. And you said that appears to be his brain down there by his foot? Yes, ma'am. At this point, would, did you check his pulse? 
I did not check his pulse. Uh, he and his mother had both had injuries that we considered incompatible with life. Uh, there was a lot of coagulation there where the blood had congealed and they were not currently bleeding, which would indicate they did not have a heartbeat. Obviously, with his type of injuries, he, he was, you know, any way you could sustain his life. Name it 51. Miss Maggie, and um, she also had severe injuries to her head. You can also see the congealed blood around the bottom where her face is, and she had a, a hole in her head to where you could actually see inside of her head cavity. Was it necessary to check Mrs. Murdoch's pulse or perform any life-saving treatment? No, ma'am. And she, she also had injuries that were not sustainable. It's takes a kid to 49. That's just where? That's the lean-to. That's Miss Maggie's body in front of the little side-by-side. Uh, -side. Thank you. I have no further questions for this witness at this time. Judge Clifton Newman invites the defense to cross-examine the witness, and Dick Harpudlian begins his questioning. You're the uh, chief of the Coffin County Fire Rescue, correct? That is correct. And you, uh, in the past, would have dealing with Alec Murdoch in a professional capacity with the law firm, correct? That is correct. So you recognized him and you've seen him before, correct? Yes, sir. Was his demeanor grieving, distraught, upset? He seemed to be very upset, yes, sir. Harpudlian shows the witness a photograph. You recognize this from uh, the night of June 7th? That is correct. And those headlights facing us, are those the headlights from uh, the Suburban? That would be a vehicle that was south of the location, so the police car would have been north. Right, but um, is that Mr. Murdoch's vehicle, or do you know? I have no idea. Okay. When you got there, you indicated to, to somebody that they needed to preserve some tire tracks, correct? That is correct. Over to the right-hand side, there was th there's three rows of, I guess, where they could park equipment underneath the uh, lean-to. And the farthest one over, there was no equipment in it, but there were some tire tracks coming out of it. And, I mean, how did you come to see those? Did you drive? You drove in off of Moselle Road, correct? I drove in off of Moselle Road. The deputy parked in this little driveway here between the two, the kennel and the lean-to. Right. I parked at the end of the lean-to. Where I was at, uh, I activated my scene lights, which are all the way across the front of the light bar. The scene lights. They're, they're high-intensity lights. High-intensity, bright white lights. So it was very dark, and uh, I could see the, the tire tracks over to the right. Harpudlian shows Chief McRoy another photograph. From this perspective, can you see that perspective right there? There's a workshop right here. Uh-huh. And there's a row here, uh -huh. a row here, and a row here. This row is where the tire tracks were. And the crime scene is where? Right here's where this Maggie's body is and that's Paul's body. Okay. And how far is it from where you saw those tire tracks to where their bodies were, approximately? 20 or 30 feet. 20 or 30 feet. And you saw, now this was gravel, grass, dirt. It's kind of sandy. Sandy, but distinct tire tracks. Yes, sir. Like one, one pair of tire tracks. And you could tell which direction they were going in? or okay, you know, Could have been coming in, could have been going out. You're not a tire expert, are you? No, track. Okay. So... Whose attention did you bring that to? Uh, brought it to attention of one of the deputies. I don't recall which one. Was it one. Green? Uh, Deputy Green? I, I don't recall. But one of the Collison County deputies? Yes, sir. You indicated to him that it needed to be preserved, needed to be roped off, needed what? I showed them to him and told him. I said, hey, there's some tire tracks over there. Uh, we, we tried to block off the driveway. I had one of our units stay out on Moselle Road, but a lot of vehicles kept driving around them. There was uh, civilian vehicles kept coming in. And then it began raining, so at that point it... After you told... He didn't put any yellow tape up to block it? No, sir. They uh, had yellow tape in front of our vehicles where we were parked, but they didn't put any yellow tape down there. And vehicles drove around your vehicle and just drove up and down that road? Yes, sir. Destroying the tire track? 
Well, the ones that were on the road part, not the ones under the shed. What, while you were there, did anybody take any pictures of those tire tracks? Uh, I have no idea, no, sir. Did you see any other pieces of forensic evidence, if you will, while you were there other than the tire tracks? Uh, there were shell casings around uh, Miss Maggie's body. Did you go over and examine Paul's body? Yes, sir. Did you go in the feed room? No, sir. Um, were you very careful around the body? Yes, sir. And the uh, Sheriff's Department started putting up the yellow tape, and as they did that, that we backed up and got behind. Defense attorney Harpulian plays a portion of Sergeant Green's body cam video. Is this the area you were talking about where the retired track? They're over to the left. Okay, but all these vehicles that are parked up there? That's the driveway coming in. Okay, and then you're saying after that is where these tire tracks were? Yes, they're over to the left of this police car. You, you can see my vehicle was the red and white Tahoe. Right. Fifteen feet to the left of that was where the tire tracks were. And you pointed those out to the Calton County Sheriff's deputy, said That's they needed to be preserved. I just showed them to them. I didn't tell them what to do with them. Thank you. No further questions. Redirect. Well, thank you, sir. You may step thank down. Thank you, Your Honor. And with the conclusion of Chief McRoy's testimony, we bring to a close this episode of Jury Duty, the trial of Alex Murdoch. Please join our next installment as we look at the testimonies of several other members of the Colleton County Sheriff's Department, including Captain Jason Chapman, the senior officer who responded to the scene of the Murdoch murders. Also, check out the new Crime Story podcast, Night Raid, wherever you get your podcasts. And if you would like to listen to these episodes early and ad-free, head over to our Jury Duty Crime Story Patreon page. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. You can find more information about this trial on our Jury Duty Crime Story Patreon page or at crimestory.com. Jury Duty is created and produced by Carrie and Tholis. It was co-produced and edited by yours truly, Chris Terracone. Music for this episode was provided by Strike Audio. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you will come back for the next episode of Jury Duty.